there's a reason. It's, it's called what I call a performance gap, and it's the gap between what we know and the gap between what we do. Uh, because just because you know doesn't mean you do. Game of Lifers, how we doing? Hope you all have been having a great weekend. I know your appetites are satiating for this podcast, of course, not Thanksgiving turkey that's coming up right around the corner. You are about to hear from one of the most motivational people walking this planet. I know we have a lot of super motivational, positive, joy-filled guests on the Game of Life podcast, but then ask yourself the question, why wouldn't we? That's the type of people that make us all better versions of us. The definition of a one percenter right there. A constant learner. A legend who has never let anyone tell him he can't do something. Working with the best of the best in the NBA. Kobe, LeBron, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant. Literally the list goes on and on. And he has been a positive impact on them all. Someone I have so much respect for and very blessed to be able to call a close friend. Someone who stepped away from the absolute top pinnacle of his craft to pursue a bigger purpose, a bigger calling to impact not just basketball players alone, but to bring his gifts, his passion, his love for being a humble servant to everyone. Game of Lifers, kindly welcome to the Game of Life podcast, Mr. Alan Stein. And just so you know, the intro I just gave him doesn't even begin to scratch the surface on explaining all that Alan is. But what you are about to hear in this podcast will not only give you behind-the-scenes insight to what the top athletes in the world do to raise their game, but will be the blueprint, will give you a set out plans that you can take for how to change your entire outlook on each and every day and live every day with ultimate joy, passion for what you do, and confidence in who you are. Game of Lifers, you are one percenters, and welcome a one percenter that is about to rock this podcast, and then some, Alan Stein. Buckle up, here we go. Well, we are here at the Lowe's, we're rocking it, Santa Monica live, that's what you hear everything going in the background, sunshine coming out, beach coming out, just got off our surfboards, maybe not. Yeah. Um, tell me, Alan Stein... Tell me what makes you a one percenter. What makes you tick, man? Uh, you know, I believe I really believe in cause and effect. So I think, and that's kind of you to say that I'm a one percenter. Hundred percent. But then, then I believe that's because I do things that ninety nine percent of people don't do. So I don't think it's necessarily an accident. And I, I try to focus on the things that I have control over, uh, which is my own attitude and my own effort. And as hard and as challenging as it is, I try to let everything else go. So I focus on, on what I can control and what I can influence. And uh, I think the vast majority of people don't do that. And it's a choice. Um, and it's not anything that I've mastered by any means. It's something I continue to struggle with every single day of my life because I can easily get distracted by things that are out of my control. But where I'm, I'm happy to say now is I have a level of self-awareness that I can usually recognize quickly when I'm worried or distracted by something not in my control, and I can get my focus back to where it needs to be. And I didn't used to have that awareness. Uh, so at least I'm on the right path. Awesome. Awesome. Let's uh, just kind of going back in the podcasting world, you were one of the transcendent podcasters way back in the day. Started doing it before anybody else really started doing it. What made you see before your time? How, how were you able to see podcasting is a way to go, this is what I want to do, this is how I'm going to get on? In full transparency, I had no idea that podcasting was going to be big. Uh, I did it for two reasons. One, I had written a weekly blog for five or six years as kind of a way to share with coaches and players my thoughts on a variety of different topics uh, and I actually got I got burnt out on the writing portion but I still knew that I had a lot to share and I wanted to find another medium where I could share uh, around that same time I was listening to a bunch of different podcasts uh, I'm one of those guys that I believe if it's something that I like I think other nice. people might like it also yep. so the fact that I was listening to a bunch of podcasts and simultaneously I was getting burnt out on writing I just figured hey why not start my own podcast and, and still use that as a medium to share and let's see what happens and, and thankfully it, it turned out to be something that was fairly well embraced and you know my own podcast consumption hasn't slowed down a bit I mean I devour podcasts mm -hmm. all of the time um, 
I prefer to listen to music when I work out than any other time. It's all podcast. Podcast, uh, you know, when I'm flying somewhere, podcast in the car. Um, yeah. Constantly so I, I, learning. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So, okay. Performance coach, author, speaker, consultant, and basically the person that never, ever ages. <laughs> I appreciate that. You really don't. You seriously don't. Every time I see you, I swear you look younger. Oh, I not sure. That. Not sure what you're doing, what you're eating, I'll, or whatever. But I'll be 43 coming up in January. So i got to keep the hair close. You look because, 23. Because it's gray now on the side, so i got to keep it, it, really, it, it does get a little gray, but which that, is okay. It makes me look yeah, distinguished and like intelligent. The, the George Clooney look. That's Absolutely. The, the just for men gray, <laughs> the world's most interesting man type of thing. I love it. Yeah, man. Okay. You have seen some of the best, some of the best of the best NBA players, the KDs, Chris Pauls, LeBrons, Kobe's, and been there right there with them. So tell the audience, what what is the type of things that you can see in their mindset or their approach to every single day? Just little tidbits from what they do that, that separates them, that makes them a one percenter in what they do. You know, there's there's several things. Um, the, the first that comes to mind is they're coachable. Um, no, no matter how good they are, they're open to the fact that they can still get better. And they crave having people around them that can help. And that's something you know from the folks that you've worked with. So uh, as soon as they know that you have something that can make them better, uh, they'll buy in and they'll believe in. Uh, now, conversely, the moment they don't believe you have anything that will make them better, you're going to get cut from the team very, very quickly. Uh, so first, I, I would you. say is, is coachable and an openness to improve. Uh, they also have just a relentless almost obsession with getting better and development that, you know, I know it's, it's kind of cliche, but good is not good enough for guys like that. Yep. And it's, you know, anything they do, they're always going back and looking at what they could have done better. You know, even, you know, a night they dropped 40, they're examining the three or four shots that they missed that they normally made. And why did I miss it? Was my footwork off? Were my mechanics off? Yep. Was it not yep. within rhythm? And, and they're studying those things. Um, they also have an incredible appreciation for the basics. They don't try to skip steps. You know, they understand that, you know, especially in the game of basketball, you have to have great footwork. You have to have great mechanics with what you do. So they don't leave the basics. Uh, they, they continue to hone those and then level up. Uh, appropriately, So they don't believe in skipping steps, you know, which I see a lot of kids doing. If we keep using yeah. basketball as our reference, you know, you flip on a game, you see Stephen Curry do something, and then you go right to your gym and you try to emulate that. And it's like, <laughs> wait a second, you're skipping a lot of the steps that he yeah. took. The reason he's at the top of the ladder is because he stepped on every rung to get there. And most kids think they can just take that proverbial elevator to success, and you can't. Yeah. And, and that's why I think guys like us, the, the best thing we can do do is to kind of peel back the curtain and show people what these guys do during the unseen hours because conventional media doesn't really do good. that you know yep. inevitably if you and I tune into a Warriors game tonight you're going to see Steph go off and do something video game like and the average fan just thinks wow that's magical it's like no give any idea what a guy like that did behind the scenes in order to put himself in a position to do those things and this is in no way a backhanded compliment. This is the best compliment I could ever give a high performer. If you saw what a guy like Steph did behind the scenes, it makes those 40-point nights actually less remarkable. No, they become more expected sure. than remarkable. For when sure. someone says, can you believe he just made that shot? Yeah, of course I can believe it. <laughs> because he does that every single day of his exactly. life when no one is watching. Exactly. With coaches and trainers like you helping him do that at a high level. So is it still an impressive feat? Absolutely. But am I shocked? No. No, I'm not shocked when anyone that practices something relentlessly performs yep. it at a high level. That's what you're supposed to do. Yep. And that's how guys like that feel. You know you know that better than yep. anyone. They shoot the ball. They expect the ball to go in. That's why they shot it. They're not surprised when it goes in. That's, yep. that's amateur. That's JV when you do that. They yeah. shoot it and they expect it to go in. And if it doesn't go in, then they're surprised. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's such a great point, too, with Steph. Like, when I'm coaching kids, I'll tell them, all right, if you've shot eight zillion shots in your life like Steph is, then you can do what he's done. Yes. I've been able to watch him work out a ton up there at Warriors practice, and he's working on all those floaters and everything crazy that you see going in. And it's just who he is, the relentless consistency. That's what I call it, relentless consistency. Day that. in, day out, unseen but, hours. But do you know how hard that note. is? I mean, I know you do. I'm, I'm speaking 
more to your listeners. Do you know how hard it is to fall in love with the mundane and fall in love with the basics and fall in love with the boring? I mean, do you know how hard that is to go in and work on your footwork when you're an NBA all-star? That's incredibly hard because all of us want to chase what's hot and flashy and sexy. All of us want to chase what's shiny. And to me, that's what makes those guys remarkable is they fall in love with the basics and they don't leave them. And it doesn't matter, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll keep sticking with the basketball theme, but you take a player like Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that he ever had a flashy play in his entire career. <laughs> and, and few would argue that he's probably the best power forward to ever play for the sure. game. Yeah. And there's, there's a reason for that. All right. Welcome back to the Game of Life podcast. We've got Jeremy Lin on. Jeremy, what's going on? The two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. He's like the eye of the hurricane. Because in the middle of the hurricane, it's really calm. And so Michael never tried to stop all the madness around him. What he learned was he just got calm in the middle of it. Stealing that pass at Staples, I was like, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Give Kobe a little glance after that. What's up? Uh, You want to be that person that when they walk into a room, that people are happy to see you. Talk to me about working with Ronaldo. You helped coach Ronaldo to become a great sleeper. A human test tube. Thank you, man. I, I, <laughs> I think that's like one notch up from being a human guinea pig. They'll take it. In a good uh, way. And I just pray, man. Like, I just pray and I just thank God for, for everything. The moment you realized, man, I'm in the NBA. Oh, man, that was from day one. That was the... the the day I got drafted, when I heard my name being called. Buckle up, the Game of Life podcast coming at you, where we bring to you the behind-the-scenes lives of NBA players, business-savvy entrepreneurs, and top-level performers in all fields of personal development. The podcast that helps you become the best version of you. I forgot who had told me the story, and, and you may know better, but back earlier in his career where they had the early and late bus that would go over to the arena during an away game. And for most NBA teams, the, the, the early bus, the guys that go over three hours early, are usually uh, free agents, they're rookies, they're younger players that need to put in work before the game. And then the veterans can take the late bus and show up 90 minutes before they're supposed to be there. Yep. Well, Tim Duncan was always taking the early bus. Even after he was a bona fide Hall of Famer and an all-star, and Greg Popovich is like, you know, why are you taking the early bus? And he's like, well, I still need to get better. If this is the bus for guys that need to get better, that's what I need to be on. And legend has it, the next day Popovich canceled the second bus and said there'll be one bus that goes over every day because every single one of us needs to get better, and I appreciate Tim bringing that up. And I don't know if that's true or not. It's irrelevant. Sure it's probably the true. The mindset behind it is true, that if there's an opportunity to get in the gym to improve your craft, why should there be a difference between rookies and veterans? Every single person on the team should have that mindset. Uh-huh. I love that. And I have a friend, Aaron Baines, who played for the Spurs with Duncan, and he, he was telling me about Popovich and Duncan's relationship, and he was like, Popovich basically says Tim coaches a team. Yeah. So like whatever he says goes. So I'm sure that story is true. And that's just the passion these guys have to improve. That you hit a nail on the, on the head. The passion and then wanting to learn, wanting to be coached. All of us, like if we reach a level, if we reach a level where we think we've arrived, yeah. then we're screwed. We're yes. going downhill. And and, and, and I, can, I can speak from personal experience, not that I've achieved very much in my life, but I can think of two different times in my life where I felt like I arrived. Uh, once was as a player and then once was as, as an adult in both times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was majorly to my detriment. It, it totally bit me in the butt because I got complacent and yeah. I, didn't, I didn't continue to stick to the principles and values and work ethic that got me to that level. Man. You know, one, it was before my senior year in high school. I had a really great summer. I played really well at camps. I had a great summer league and I, I kind of walked into my senior year thinking, sweet, I'm here. I've arrived. I'm yeah. going to be great. And my senior year was okay, but, you know, it wasn't anywhere close to what it would have been if I would have approached it with the same discipline and hunger that I had done before that. And, you know, I I don't live my life with regret. I can look back and go, yes, I wish I would have had a better senior year. However, that taught me a pivotal life lesson that here I am talking to you about, you know, 25, 30 years later. So it still served its purpose. Um, But yeah, anytime you think you've arrived, uh, you're in trouble. You know, um, I don't know when this will actually air, but as of the recording of this a few nights ago, Duke just 
beat the brakes off of Kentucky in one of the biggest shellackings I've ever seen in college basketball. Yep. The worst loss Coach Cal- a Coach Calipari team has ever had. And immediately, because I'm a Duke fan, uh, everybody's hitting me up going, they're going to go undefeated. Nobody can beat them. Nobody can beat them. And I'm like, well, if they start to believe that, then that will not come true. That the moment they think, first of all, it's one game. Yeah. Your three best players are 18 years old, so there's going to be some immaturity there. So uh, does that Duke team have the potential to go undefeated? Absolutely. There you go. If they start to believe that they're that good, that they can just show up and win, they will lose a game. And we've seen that happen before. We've seen very dominant teams at every level that as soon as they start to drink their own Kool-Aid, they're in a lot of trouble. No so doubt. I, I hope, as a Duke fan, I hope Duke, I hope that does not happen to them. I hope it doesn't either, but it probably will because it's it's – how you deal with success. You know, when people tell you you're great, then you start thinking you're great, and then you start to get a little bit comfortable, a little bit complacent. Like, you you, you said it with with high school basketball and said one other example, too. But, man, when I was with the Nets, I got brought on by the Nets. Yeah. Thought I had made it three months later. I've arrived. There's the door. See you later. New staff coming in. Of course. So we're always, always growing. And, and the constant learning, like you were talking about eating up podcasts, learning from everybody else. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I love doing this podcast so I can share with listeners, so I can help people out there, help everyone out there. But selfishly, I just love learning from everybody I'm able to put on, man. And you know, here's amazing. something that I found fascinating. I absolutely believe in being a lifelong learner. I yeah. devour books. I devour podcasts. Yeah. I devour relationships. Yep. I think I can learn from any situation. So one of the things that's helped me the most is even when I was in the basketball space, I would always step out of the basketball space nice. and try to learn from people outside of coaches and trainers. Uh, certainly those folks had a lot of things to fill my bucket, but I... I would relentlessly study other things. You know, now that that my primary vocation is as a a professional speaker, I spend so much time. I study actors. I study stand-up comedians. I study musicians. I study um, anything and everything I can that I believe would make me a better orator. And I study these different groups. And I I learn about their rhythm and their timing and the way they position themselves and their body language to make me better at this. And it was the same thing. You know, I was in basketball performance. But you better believe that some of the people I learned the most from were performance coaches in other sports, soccer performance coaches, football performance coaches, and then not even that. I would study from guys like you who were doing the skill side and the X's and O's side because then I would say, okay, what are you doing that I could then turn into something that's performance-based? How can I re-engineer this and work backwards? So I think that's one of the most important things for people to know that regardless of what frame you're in, you got to step outside of that frame to learn some additional things. Yeah, that's... But, but, but one other thing I want to throw out there... And this sounds a bit counterintuitive. I believe everyone should be doing everything they can to continue to learn. However, this might shock a lot of listeners. You and I included, we already know enough right now to be a hell of a lot more successful than we currently are. And there's a reason. It's, it's called what I call a performance gap. And it's the gap between what we know and the gap between what we do. Uh, because just because you know doesn't mean you do. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, Many of the things that I teach people are things they already know, but they're not doing them. You know, perfect example is, is let's just use health and fitness as an example. You know, uh, regardless of who's listening to this right now, I guarantee you that if I ask you to write down the healthiest foods you know of, you could come up with a nice list. I guarantee you if I ask you how many hours of sleep should you get every night, that most of your listeners could spout out an answer in a split second. And if I ask most of your listeners, could you just etch out what a physical fitness workout program should look like? Like, you don't have to submit it to men's health, but just generally speaking, what should it look like? How many days a week? What should you do, they could do that. Now, if I ask your listeners to look down on the, at that paper, are those the foods that you're eating consistently? Is that the sleep that you're getting? And are those the workouts you do religiously? If the answer is yes, then that means when it comes to health and fitness, you have a very narrow performance gap. That's great. If your answer is no, I don't eat those foods, I don't get that sleep, and I don't do those workouts, well, then you have to acknowledge and have the humility to admit, well, it's not because you don't know, it's because you don't do. There's a big difference. You know, so, there, and, and, and I say this with, with full training. Transparency. There are plenty of things in my life that I know that I should be doing more consistently, and I don't because I'm human. We're all yeah. fallible. Yeah. Uh, but the key to improving performance is closing that gap. And you can have this performance gap in any area of your life. You can have it uh, financially. Um, you know, we all know probably what we should be doing with our money, but how many people do? We all know what we should be doing with our health and wellness, but how many people do? You know, uh, if you're married and you're listening to this, you know what you need to do to have a thriving, intimate relationship with your spouse. 
but are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Those are completely different mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And more times than not, when you when you feel that things aren't going well, it's not because you didn't know. You know exactly what to do to, to keep your husband or wife happy. And I don't mean keep them happy like that's your job, but you know what to do to make the relationship fulfilling, and you're not doing it. And I think the key to happiness and success and fulfillment is closing those performance gaps, is living up to what we know we're supposed to be doing, because that's where I think we, we get shame. You know, there's not a player that you've ever worked with that doesn't know yeah. that they're supposed to come in and make 500 shots a day. Yeah. Game shots from yeah. game spots yeah. at game speed. Yeah. Every one of them knows it, but yeah. I bet you can count on two hands how many players you've worked with that do that consistently. Exactly. But it's not because they don't know. They yeah. just don't do. And I think that's what guys like you and I need to help people do is close that, that gap. Dude, I love that on so many levels. Like, I really hope that was a chapter in your book or it is. the main premise of your book or what you're like. We're talking about what we stand for and what points we stand for. No versus do. I, I, I really like it makes obviously it makes so much sense but I don't think I've heard anybody else talking about it well, it's, I mean it's a basic concept it's a basic concept but how many people how many people have you heard out there saying saying that exact breakdown that you've right. done but you know the, and that's that was that lesson I learned from Kobe that time is just because something's basic it doesn't mean that it's easy Closing, the, the whole concept of a performance gap is very, very basic. I can explain that to my eight-year-old twin sons and six-year-old daughter, and they'll understand it. But doing it is not easy. Gosh, if yeah. it was easy, we would already be doing it. Yeah. If it was easy to eat healthy foods and work out and get sleep, then then your listeners would already be doing that. Yep. Um, now, there are certain things. Now, because of my lifestyle and the way that, that, that I've grown up in, in, in the basketball performance space, the eating well and getting sleep and exercising comes rather easily to me. Likewise, yeah, yeah. But other things, not so much. So mm-hmm. this is where we can have empathy because I can meet someone who's really struggling with getting themselves in better shape, but maybe you know their financial life is perfection. They've got money saved away. They've got they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing. So just because you you have performance gaps in one area doesn't necessarily mean you have them in another area. So for sure, our key is being able to close them in the most applicable areas. And for me. That's what I'm focused on. So back to my original point. Even though I I love the fact that you want to continue learning, growing, and developing, if right now, if you never learned another thing for the rest of your life, you could probably still be twice as successful as you are right now based on what you know. Mm -hmm. And I could look in a mirror and tell myself the exact same thing. This is not coming from a place of judgment. If I never learned anything else, I could be way more successful than I currently am just by doing what I already know. Talk about a humbling fact. Yeah. That's... Big time. Yeah. Which is basically saying we already have it inside of us, and for some reason we're not letting it out or channeling (laughs) it the right way. That's humbling. That's true, but it's exciting, but then it's also like... If you just did stop, then you're not. I mean, we enjoy that oh. process of absolutely just learning. Yes. And like, like you more than anyone else, like there's a few people in my life that just ooze passion, ooze confidence, and just juice me up every time being around. Like every time I see you, I just get juiced up. Awesome. Seriously. Because well, you, just, you just breathe that life into other people. Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, if it, if it makes you feel better, just realize you attract those types of people. So there's something about you that attracts me and other people into your life that want to do that. Because if you were a whiner and a complainer and a finger pointer and a blamer we would not be sitting here doing this podcast no. right now because this is this is almost a vacation for me to come out here and there's no way yeah. that I would make the time to do this if it wasn't for someone that also fills my bucket because our time is is the most precious thing we have 100%. and we have to guard it like it's yep. I mean like it is such the yep. most important so there's you know uh, I appreciate your compliment it's very well received but know that it's a very mutual feeling which is why I'm, I'm glad we're connecting Hmm, hmm, hmm. Interrupt this podcast with a yawn because sleep is super important. Like beyond what I can even begin to describe you in this message. Sleep is everything. Without it, you can't function. Imagine yourself being an iPhone, waking up on low battery. Yeah, good luck having a good day today. But there is a solution to always getting a good night's sleep and waking up every morning to punch life in the face. It is the chili pad. And basically all my NBA players use it. I use it. I literally yearn for it when I'm away from it, away from L.A. on the road. I need my chili pad. Set your personal temperature to whatever you want it to be. I sleep in the super cold at 57 degrees, which is 57 to 65 is the optimal range for the most restorative and regenerative deep sleep possible. Check it all out at ChiliPad. Google search it, ChiliPad, and enter the code DN. 
BBALL30 for 30% off at the checkout. All this is linked in the show notes. You'll see all this. Be super easy. Literally over $100 off can be back in your pocket and you can be sleeping like a king or queen. I'm a prima donna when I sleep, but hey, you got to have good sleep. Game changer right here. Wouldn't be telling you about them if I didn't believe in them 100%. I'll never bring on somebody that I don't fully believe in and use myself. Even thinking about naming my first son Chili after them. Seriously. Well, maybe. Anyways, check them out and step up your sleep game tonight. Full energy. Second half of the podcast after that great nap on the chili pad. Let's go. I want to talk to you about your book. Yeah. We got to dive into the book. For sure. Writing the book, getting it out there, let me know, break it down, give the audience the why they're supposed to read it, why they should read it. I'll pump it to them 100%. If, and if you don't know that you should read this book right now, <laughs> just by hearing what we've talked about so far, there's something wrong with you. Well, so the, the book, from, from the initial decision to write a book to the day it will come out on January 8th was about two years. So like anything else, it was a process. This thing was not written in a couple of weeks and then you know polished up and thrown out there. I mean it was it was a process and on a few levels, one, it was a passion project. I've always felt that I had a book inside of me and similar to the podcast story, I've been a voracious reader ever since I graduated college. I hated reading in high school and college. <laughs> Isn't like, that funny how that works? Loathed it. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Me, me too. Yeah. And, and once I decided that wait, I can read whatever I want to read. I don't what have to read what want. I want. Yeah. Yes. That was so in, in, enlightening and invigorating for me. So um I, I know how many books have impacted me on a very deep and profound level, like changed the course of my life based on reading a book. So part of me thought, man, if I could write something that could have an impact on another human being, that would be amazing. I'm not implying my book's going to change the course of anyone's life, but the fact that I could write something that could have an effect on someone else, I wanted to do that. So that was the, the number one reason. Uh, the number two reason was when I made the decision, I was leaving the direct basketball space and I was moving into the corporate space. And I I knew that writing a book would force me to curate all of my content and get super organized. Uh, it would force me to go back and take everything that I've learned from people like you to other coaches and mentors, take everything I've learned and get it very, very organized. So even if the book never was going to be printed or sold, just the mere practice of writing it was incredibly valuable because it sharpened up my material for when I do go and speak and run and, and run workshops. So for that reason, it was it was great. And you know, a couple of other insights. Um, I actually hired a co-author to help me with the book, and I did that for the same reason that Kobe had a trainer up until the day he retired, um, is because writing is not my forte. The lessons, the stories, the st- all of that stuff is inside of me, but I needed someone to help me bring it to fruition. So um, I, I, I basically found an awesome teammate, someone who could help me with the structure and the organization so that my thoughts would be organized and coherent to others. And I'm very glad I did. So it was you know, kind of a team effort in that regard. And I had an absolute blast. Uh, it was... I had to research a lot of stuff, you know, especially on the business end, because this book was written in a way that if you are a shooting coach or you are a high school teacher or you are a parent or you're a CEO of a multi-million dollar company, you will find value in this book because the principles of leadership and teamwork and culture, they don't change. So even though I'd spent 20 years of my life in the basketball world and I had basketball stories for days, I did a tremendous amount of research on the business side and wanted to find out what the most successful businesses did to create culture and for leadership and accountability. Um, so so I, I think there's a nice balance to the book that I'm very proud of. Uh, because just like we said, thinking outside of the box, corporations have been bringing in athletes and coaches for years to come speak to them. I think the smartest coaches and guys like Coach K do this all the time. They bring in people from outside of basketball. They bring in military leaders. They bring in successful CEOs. They bring in you know people that were in the Olympic. Like they bring in other people to teach the same principles to them, and, and that's why I think they're they're one percenters because they reverse engineer it the way companies have been doing forever. So the the book has been an awesome passion project. Um, as you and I were talking before we hit record, you know, I'm very proud of the final book, and I have to live in the process 
and be proud, not be outcome-based. Like, yes. it doesn't matter how many copies yes. it sells. It doesn't matter if it makes a bestseller list. It doesn't matter if I make a dime off the book. Uh, what matters is I wrote what I feel is the best book I was capable of writing at the time, and that I hope that anyone that, that makes an investment to read it with their time and their money uh, feels that way. And that's that's the best compliment I could get. If I ever saw someone and they said, hey, I read your book, man, it really it, it gave me some more tools for my toolbox or it changed the way I thought of this, boy, that would be the most amazing feeling ever. And if that's 10 people or 10,000, it doesn't change the work. And, you know, I say all of that, but I'm still competitive. And I, I, I still have to hold back from being uh, you know, enamored by outcomes because of course the competitor in me wants it to do really well you know um, but I'm getting better at taking step backs and just worrying you know focusing on the work and yeah I'm, I'm hoping it's something that people want to check out and read and, and if so I hope it's something they find impactful dude that last 10 minutes was unbelievable thank you like you hit no no seriously you hit so many points in there that are just so spot on like I would I would take that put that in the morning and every time I wake up I'm gonna listen to that cool you know exactly hey everybody listen to this shit I'll send it to you that thing passion project and what is passion what you love doing it's transcending. Okay, it's not something. It's not something that we're just going to read this year or next year, and it's going to be gone in three, four years. It's the principles that are going to transcend over time. How to build culture, no matter if you're sports, no matter if you're company, if you're family, you have to figure out how to build culture. You're thinking outside the box, and that's one of my biggest, biggest things I stand for. for why? Sure. Why do we always have to listen to what everybody else says and just group think? Yeah. Like whatever happened to people thinking their own original thoughts? I love it. Love that. You know. A friend of mine, uh, he's the super coach. His name's Michael Burt, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with Michael. He's amazing. He's very similar to us. That he he was a high school basketball coach, championship coach, and now he teaches businesses how to do the same stuff. Um, the, the, the proverbial outside the box. What he says, he says, you can't see the picture if you're always inside the frame. And it's the same thing. And that's I, I love that about him. And here's the thing too about about the book. Now, you know, tons of things go into promoting it and and for the launch and so forth. If this book is as good as I hope it is, it will actually sell more copies in 2020 than it will in 2019 because it takes some time. It, the ultimate merit of a book would be if you happen to read it and then you organically tell some people that you thought it was a good book. Mm-hmm. You know, think of any business book like, you know, Good to Great gets mentioned all the time because yeah. it's just an iconic book. That's another one, you know, because that book came out pre-social media or at least the mainstay of social media. The reason so many people read that book was because they read it and it was really good and they told other yeah. people about it. Oh, for sure. So, so that's the key. It's, you know, uh, to me, the best books are the ones that continue to sell more copies every successive year because it's getting spread through good old-fashioned word of mouth and people giving it testimonials. So, you know, I'm hoping this is something that five years from now, I sit on a plane and I see someone reading the book. <laughs> that would yeah. make me feel incredible. Uh, but awesome. if none of that stuff happens, then it's okay. Yeah. Because I still did the best I was capable of. Now, with that said, and I know you're the same way, five years from now, I'll probably look back at this book and go, boy, that was Bush League. I'm so much better now. Because I do that with my speaking. I, I, I video almost yes. every talk I give. And I go back and I've watched ones that I did two years ago and it makes my stomach turn. <laughs> but it was the best I was capable of at that point in my life. So there's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing to, you know, I can't go back and change time. And I hope that if you have me on your podcast a year from now, that the interview we do a year from now will trump the one that we're doing right now. Because you and I will both be so much more worldly Man. and polished at what we do. Yeah. I hope that happens. Oh, yeah. We're, you're coming yeah. back on in a year. Sure. Right here. Gee, I, I think this podcast is really, really good. So it just imagining that, man. But we have to level up. Yeah, we have to. Because if you and I leave this podcast and we get complacent and we exactly. feel like we've arrived, well, I don't have to prepare for future interviews because I got yep. this on lock. And you don't have to prepare for future guests because you're clearly yep. great at what you do. As we've already mentioned, that will be our downfall. Yeah. We'll be in a lot of trouble. Man, I love that. Gosh, not yet. Not being outcome-based. Like, you're not worried about the outcome. And just like you said, proud of your speeches two years ago, three years ago. And of course you've got better. You've grown. You're constant learning. You're going to keep getting better. Like five years from now, there'll be stuff There'll be stuff in your book that you'll see like, man, I wish I could change that. I wish you could change that. Of course. But, but it will. It will, man. And, and, and the best thing 
Like, you writing the book is not about oh, how many is it going to sell? Right. How much money am I going to make from it? You said if you change one person's life, if you have an impact on one person's life, yeah. that's all that matters. It'd be remarkable. And that's, that's, that's all that And to matters. be able to do that through written word would be would be really special. Because yeah. that's the thing. Books, they are timeless. I mean, timeless, yeah. this, this, this is a piece of me and a piece of my life that will live forever. And that's, yep. that's yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah. That's really cool. And as, as much as like technology changes and advances and everything we're doing, books. Do they ever change? No. no. Books. We have books. And, and, and it's, back it's, in the day. it's the message behind the book. I mean, I recorded the audio version of it, which was an, an nice. incredible, yeah, it was an incredible process to do that. And of course, there'll be, you know, the, the e-book or the i-book or the yeah. Kindle version. So however someone wants to consume it is irrelevant. It's the message behind it that I that I feel great about. And that's, yeah. So I'm, I'm thankful. And, uh, you know, funny enough, as, as laborious as the process was, I enjoyed it. And I'm already thinking about doing another book. Not in the mindset of, okay, this one's over. Like, I want to enjoy this, and I'm not done, you know, still living in this book and, and wanting to get it out to others. But it was such an enjoyable experience, and I feel so much fulfillment from having completed it. I want to replicate that. I That's want to do it so again. so cool. Yeah. So now I need to think, okay, what's something else that I could do that I think people might find impactful and helpful? And that's, yeah. And it's, but you know, I'm, I'm not an author and I'm not famous, which means anyone listening to this, it's okay if you're not an author and you're not famous, we're the same. If you yeah. still feel like you have something inside of you. Might you just grab a little power? No, help oh. yourself. And, that, and that's what we do when we're live here in Santa Monica. We you have people that, jumping in here. That. I'm going to check your text for you. I got you. <laughs> Pretty close in there. <laughs> uh, no, see, we're constant yeah. teammates. If there's an open sure. outlet, we share with others, and that's how we do. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm already thinking about, about yeah. doing something else, yeah. and that's, you know, I find one thing that unites a lot of us, especially wow. people that you coin one percenters, is you want to continue to level up, and you want to continue to grow, and that you, that's when you're happiest, that's when you're most fulfilled, that, you know, uh, putting a book out, it doesn't drain me, it actually fills my bucket, it excites me, and yeah, it was a ton of work, but yep. if yep. you love your work, and you feel passionate about your work and you feel that it's meaningful then work might not even be the right word to call it you can call it something else and that's that's love the that, key love that man not work not a job not a career it's a mission yes I love I'm, that I'm, I'm writing a book right now so hearing that from you oh, just juices great. me up even more well I'm, I'm excited for you there'll be plenty of things that I'm hoping I can help you with in the process because I've had so many people uh, multi-time authors that you know best-selling authors that have, have sent the elevator back down from me and given me some tremendous guidance on the process which which allowed me to you know sidestep some landmines you know I, I think many of the impactful lessons we learn in life we learn the hard way because we have to go through them but yep. if we're really wise we can take people that 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 are peers or mentors or people that have an impact on us and we can learn from their mistakes or learn from the things that they do well. I mean, I reached out to probably a dozen different authors that I really liked and respected and said, hey, you know, what are the things that you did that you would do again and what are the things you did you wish you hadn't and take those two lists and, and I realize they're all personal. It doesn't mean everything that I went through on my journey will be applicable to you but I can still share it with you and then you just decide, you run it through your own filter and your own convictions and you decide which things will work for you and, and which yeah. things won't and yeah. and I think that's what leadership is it's about how can we help each other if there's anything that I can do to make your book writing experience more pleasurable or more efficient I would be happy to do it like why why not man I love that it does no good for me to keep it to myself okay we have that on air yeah. that's in contract all right I'm going to be gotcha. hitting you daily on it <laughs> and, I, and I'd be happy to I really appreciate it because I know you're the type of guy that will then turn around and do that for someone else for sure there will inevitably be someone yep. listening to this show right now that they want to do a book and they're going to reach out to you and, yep. and I know that you'll have the, the humility and the compassion to say yes I'd be happy to help and you know it becomes harder because as we said our time is very very important so it doesn't mean we can help everyone every chance we get but the general mindset of let's let's fill other people's buckets and let's pour into other people and, and it's not this zero sum mindset you know I mean yeah. Yeah. yeah I just don't believe in that I love it man it's it's and it's it's all about the servant attitude and yeah. you're you're the epitome of servant attitude and just giving 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 to others and that's when you find yourself you pour into others without caring about return or anything that's going to be for your gain and that's when you find yourself but you know I'll tell you I'm 43 years old and 
Most of my life, I did not have that attitude. No. Most of my life, I was incredibly selfish, and I viewed yeah. everything as what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of this? Which I think a lot of people go through that stage. Well, for you sure. Know? Um, but it was a really liberating and enlightening feeling when I stopped thinking that way, and, and and the light bulb went off and thought, hey, if you just help fill other people's buckets, you'll be taken care of in the end. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you'll, you'll still get what you want. But, yeah. But just the fulfillment you get from being able to help somebody out, I, I think, is is tremendous. And I told you I don't live my life in regret. So as much as I would have loved for that light bulb to have gone off 10 years before it did, it didn't. It happened when it happened, yeah. and, and this is where I am now. And, yeah, but, but coming from a place of service, you know, is incredibly important. I think for me the, the major shift is when I had kids. Yeah. So that's almost nine years ago because you really start to look at the world differently when you've got children and you realize, man, especially at the youngest of ages, they do depend on me for everything, like their life. <laughs> I feed them, not myself, of course, yeah, their mother yeah. as well, but, you know, like, then you start to realize, hey, it ain't about me. Yeah. Boy, there's something way bigger than, than just me, and, and to step outside of that selfish bubble and kind of open up is, it's freeing, it's enlightening, and I just, I'm the happiest and most fulfilled and, and content in a good way, not complacent, but content in a good way uh, that I've ever been, and that's, you know, and, and at 43, statistically, I'm at the halftime of my life, so if I'm on the back nine right now, knowing that I'll live the second half with this type of attitude is, I'm, I'm very appreciative and thankful. Man, well, shoot, you, you're going to live to 120 the way you look right now. <laughs> I hope so. And that's good news, too. So, you can be my consultant for the book, yep. for raising kids, absolutely, for staying young. Got it. Love it, man. Well, well think about it. I mean, yeah. how many mentors and coaches and people poured into you to do what you yeah. do for your craft? Oh, yeah. I've been Numerous. so blessed. Of course. Awesome. And you've done a great job of passing the baton and microphone to other people to do the same. So it's really the same yep. thing. I feel like it's our it's our responsibility that, you know, I mean, all of the stuff I share is through the lens, the biased lens of the world, the way I see it. But none of this stuff is stuff I've made up. There's not a single yeah. word in my book that I came up with. This is all, exactly. all things that have been passed to me. So it's not mine to keep. It's, it's you know, again... Somebody told me that story about the early and late bus with the Spurs. Like, that's not my story. That's something someone yep. told me. So it's my duty to, to pay it forward and share that with as many people. And then if one of your listeners like that story and they coach a high school team and they Take tell it, it to their team, yeah. that's awesome. That's what it's meant for. Right. And if that story that I tell you that your listeners hear and that changes the behavior of one kid on their high school team, now we're, we're actually creating influence and we're creating oh. change and that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's, it's not about like in basketball it's not about the drill you do because everybody's going to be have done it before it's not about the saying that you use but it's about how you do it it's the passion you do it with it's the genuine caring you do it with absolutely and like shoot like you said it was it's the no versus do like people might know that hey you got to go there early and work but are you going to do it and sharing that story and having a message with it helps to tell that to people for sure I love that yeah the, the no versus do and the basic versus easy I think are the two the, the two biggest spectrums that we should all be dealing with on a daily basis. I mean, when you, you think about anything, life or even the sport of basketball, like the sport of basketball is incredibly basic. Like if, if I brush away all of the cobwebs, if it's your team versus my team, I want to take the highest percentage shot possible on offense, and I want you to take the lowest percentage shot possible on defense. That's the game of basketball in a nutshell, if we really break it down. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's a lot of intricacies to right. make that happen, but that's ultimately what it is, which means every time we're on offense, if we don't take the highest percentage shot possible, remember, it doesn't matter if it goes in or not, the goal is to take the highest percentage shot, then, then we fail living up to what we're supposed to do. And on this end, if I allow you to take anything but the lowest percentage shot, then I failed to do what we're trying to live up to. But think how basic that is. But even as basic as that is, look how that gets rewired, you know? We go down on offense, and I take one of those my turn shots that Kevin Eastman <laughs> refers to because, you know, I haven't touched the ball, so it's my turn to jack one up. Well, now we didn't take the highest percentage shot possible. And then you happen to loaf back on defense because you're pouting because you didn't get to shoot, and your man gets a wide-open layup. So now you've defeated the purpose on that. It, like, it just, yep. this stuff yep. is so basic. Yep. Yep. Parenting is basic, but not easy. Easy. Yep. Basketball is basic, but not easy. Having a successful podcast is basic, but not easy. <laughs> yeah. Writing a book is basic, but not easy. So I think anyone that thinks those two things are synonyms, they're fooling themselves. Yeah. you got to fall in love with the basics.
basics, but you have to have the humility to acknowledge that the basics done consistently are not easy. It is oh. so hard to do. Oh, yeah. And that's why we have this gap between knowing and doing. For sure. And, and, and something I love about that, too, is that how free, like, just talking to you is like a breath of fresh air. You're, you're very free and you're comfortable in yourself. You know who you are. And you're able to take these things that, that you're saying are difficult, can be hard to do, and break them down and make them easy, make them easy for people to digest. digest. Like, one thing a lot of people struggle with is the feeling of overwhelm. They feel like they have so much going on, so much here, so much there. Shoot, I know you have so much going on. You write a book, you're going on tour with it, you have podcasts, you have everything going on, personal coaching, three kids. Like, that could be overwhelmed. But you're here, you seem free as can be, because you understand that it's not, it's not, it's not difficult, but it's, it's, you have the game plan. Like you, and you're able to give people the game plan. And you're able to empower people in the game plan. And like one thing I really, really respect about you, most people, most people are scared to do it. Most people are scared to step out of their box, step out of their comfort zone, step out, step out and, and, and challenge themselves. Like you, you started in basketball. Same with me, you started in basketball. And now you're, you're speaking to corporations. You're, you're transcending you're transcending a sport that you grew up with, that you loved, that was all you knew, that was everybody, your relationships, because you had a mission to help help everyone, help empower more people. Like basketball, same thing I'm going through. Like basketball, it's great. Like, but it's just so small. Yeah. Everything that you can. And do. it's just the platform. It's just, just a platform. It. Exactly. You know, I mean, when when I when I had the switch that I was. Basketball was just the vehicle of the greater mission, and the greater mission was to impact kids and to empower coaches and to give them tools for a game that they love. And and, and I know that the game of basketball can teach you so many life lessons, but, you know, once I had the maturity to realize my real mission was never to get kids to run faster and jump higher. That was the surface level. But how does it make a kid feel when they train to run faster and jump higher and when they accomplish their goals and when being able to run faster and jump higher uh, helps them achieve a goal of making a team or do it, it's that's the bigger picture so you know it, it's the same thing with the corporate work I mean it's yep. you can look at what you do on the surface or you can try to get some depth but you know one thing I certainly want to make crystal clear, clear for your listeners I don't have any of this stuff mastered I don't have all of this stuff figured out I'm a constant work in progress just like your listeners are um, the, the struggles that they're having I guarantee that I'm facing them as well I mean I've got heightened self-awareness and, and I've got a list of things that that are still holding me back. And when I say holding me back, I'm not pointing that at anyone else. I'm holding myself back in different areas. So there, there are always things that we need to get better with. And to me, there's some comfort in knowing that. You know, I think feeling overwhelmed is, is an awful feeling. Feeling like you're alone and you're the only one going through it is an awful feeling. Um, you know, shame and toxic, like all of these different things, that's what unites most of us. You know, uh, one of my biggest disappointments with just the way culture is today is everyone tends to highlight the things that divides us way more than we highlight the ways that we're similar. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Regardless of your religious beliefs or political beliefs or any of that stuff, we're way more similar than we are different. For sure. So anyone, you know, and that's what I have to remember, you know, just as someone might be listening to this going, man, Alan's saying some pretty cool stuff. I listen to other people's podcasts and go, man, they're saying some pretty cool stuff. So we're, we're all doing this together. And it's just a matter of continuing to to level up and raise your game and, and just be on that constant quest. It's so cool you say that, too, because we talked about it before we started hitting record and, like, like how it can be competitive to the point where you think, like, oh, this guy's doing that, that guy's doing that, why can't I be there, the, the envious. But if you look at it, it's also a general sense of everybody in this field of, if you term it self-improvement, is helping. Yes. Like the, the person that's selling, Lewis Hose is selling millions and millions, he's on our team. He's helping. We're helping. It's all it's all team. Because we don't want to play the, the, the comparison game. Yeah. Um, my good friend Paul Biancardi with, with ESPN, um, he, he says that all the time. Don't play the comparison game because it's a game you can't win. Never. And, I mean, think about it right now. We're sitting here at the Lowe's Hotel, which is a gorgeous hotel Man. in Santa Monica, one of the, you know, paradises of the <laughs> yeah. world. I mean, right now, you know, looking out at the beach and the sunshine, you know, um, 
There's a lot of affluence here. There's a lot of really successful people here. So without question, if I walked outside of the Lowe's Hotel right now, within five seconds, I can find someone that makes more money than I do, that has a nicer car than I do, that has a bigger house than I do, that has better behaved kids than I do, that's more handsome than I am, that's funnier than I am. Well, probably not that, but... If I allow my self-worth to be dictated by those outside metrics, I will never be enough, I'll always fall short, and it's not worth doing. So I don't let those things determine my self-worth. There's plenty of people that have way more money than I do, way nicer cars, multiple, but that's okay. That doesn't in any way, shape, or form take away what I do. You know, even in the speaking industry, it's the same thing. You know, there are speakers that have been on way bigger stages. They charge way higher fees. They've spoken alongside titans. And if I allow that to diminish what I'm trying to do as a speaker, I'm never going to feel good. I'm never going to feel like I'm enough. So it's a delicate balance because I, I think you can use certain things to help you with motivation. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not motivated by big houses or cars. Now, like do I want to be on bigger stages and impacting more people? Absolutely. Do I want to be able to command a higher fee for when I speak? Absolutely. So you have to find what's right for you and what metrics you can use as a source of motivation, but never as a source to compare yourself because you'll feel bad. To me, that's one of... Now, I love social media. I mean, I jumped in when it first came out. Yeah. And I love it because I think it's a tool to connect. I think it's a tool to learn. I think it's a tool to yep. share. Yep. However, it can be incredible incredibly detrimental if you're comparing your life to everyone else's life on social media and you feel like you don't measure up. So, yeah. uh, and, and this is true for anyone. I mean, think about this right now. Very few would argue that LeBron is the best player in the world at the moment. Very few would argue that. But even he can't escape the shadow of, well, Jordan was better, or someone will say that. <laughs> yeah. So no matter how good you are you at anything, there's always someone better. You know, and now you know. Now people are saying, "Well, is, is Tom Brady the best team sport athlete of all time? Is he better than Jordan?" So even Jordan can't technically escape it. So it doesn't matter who you are; yeah. someone can have something, have something better. You know, and you know Jordan's worth what a couple of billion dollars? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. That Jeff Bezos of Amazon has that in his pocket right now. <laughs> so what, no matter uh, how, what you think you have, someone yeah. else has something better, and we, we just can't allow that to be. And that's another very freeing mindset. Once I let go of that and. And, and it's the same thing, like I said. My book is my book. Just because the book next to it sold 2 million copies and mine didn't, that doesn't make my book any less. My book is sure. literally, it's, it's in writing. That, it is what it is. It's uh, yeah. The fact that someone else sold more doesn't make my book less unless I allow it to make it less by playing the comparison game. Yep. You know, and, and, yep. and that's ultimately where kind of jealousy kind of stems from, you know. And it... Yeah, you're so right. It doesn't serve us any purpose. Any purpose. The poorest homeless man in Calcutta is at the same spot as the richest man ever when they die. Same spot. We can't take anything with us. And shoot, 100 years from now, probably no one's going to know who we are. Right. That stuff is so fleeting, man. I could, like, literally, there's so many points that I would just love to just pick your brain on every single one and I mean, go in depth with. You, you let me know. I you mean, fire no, away. I'm no. not in any rush. I, I mean, I, I know you got the, the Aubrey Marcus uh, weekend coming up here. Yes. Super excited. Um, so I'm just going to wind it down a little bit sure. here for uh, put you on the hot seat so you don't Please. have to explain any of these answers. Okay. Just what comes to your mind, throw it out there. All right. Do you have a mindset that you live by? Could you put one word or a few words in a term of like, man, this is my mindset. Like my mindset is, like I tell people, what makes you, you? And that's what I want you to go with. The confidence and belief in yourself. You have a mindset that you would maybe base your book on or that you live by? The one that I am trying to live by, I've heard it attributed to both Nick Saban of Alabama and Oprah Winfrey, so two incredibly powerful people, and that's to be where your feet are, which simply means to be in the present moment, and wherever your feet are, make sure your head and your heart are there as well, Uh, and that's one that I've been incredibly conscious of and intentional with uh, the last couple years. That's awesome, man. Okay, I asked this question to everybody. If you could invite three dinner guests, anywhere, dead or alive, who are you inviting and what are you eating? Anything. I get some interesting answers on I this. I bet one. you do. And I'm there regardless, so you don't have to you don't have to waste okay. one on me. So you're the you're the Mater D? Yep, yep. Um Eminem. 
Yeah. Not even kidding. I love I'm, it, man. I was a huge Eminem fan. Yeah, he I, transcended I, rap. And, and I still am. And part yeah. of it's based on his longevity. Yeah. You know, the fact that, you know, when, when he did the uh, Real Slim Shady Please Stand Up on the VMAs, the, the Video Music Awards, I think that was in 2000. And it's 18 years later, and he's still coming out with with straight fire. As a, yeah. I mean, he's a middle aged dude. Oh yeah. 45 years old. I know. I just think he's fascinating. I think his journey's fascinating. Um, I think, and I know you said I don't need to explain these things, but I think his command of the English language and and the way that he can provide imagery in his lyrics. Now, I'm not condoning that many of the things that he's creating imagery <laughs> for are probably right, right, not the right, most right. positive. Right, right. But what he can do with the spoken word is is absolutely Unreal. insane. So Eminem would be one. Yep. By the um, way, just uh, two two white boys here, uh, <laughs> Eminem fans. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I hope I'm not judged on the fact that I realized this guy had some indiscretions a year ago that I'm certainly not condoning. Uh, but Louis C.K. is one of my yeah, favorite okay. comedians of all time. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. And he's another one that, if you can shelve what he did aside for a moment, right. Um, right. When I go back and look at what he did in the 90s compared to what he did recently from a comedic standpoint, he grew immensely and he worked on his craft. Like, he was a mediocre comic at best in the 90s and continued to work on his craft and sharpen his sword and and I think is the best stand-up today based yeah. on, on his ability. Yeah. Um, so he's one that I think would be fascinating. And again, my reason for inviting these two guys in particular on to a dinner is to learn about the journey, is to learn about their mindset, is to learn how they went from being average and obscure to being at the top of their field. You know, yep. I, I think both would have some pretty incredible stories to be able to tell. Um, so that's who cool. do I want as the last that's, one? Yeah, um, that, that's really cool, too. That's the most in-depth answer I've gotten so far. That it's, it's, it's people that are consistent in their craft, always constant learning, yeah. and just the longevity is there. I'm gonna go Love Oprah. It. I'm gonna go Oprah for my last one yeah. because I find her to be one of the best servant leaders of our time. Big time. Um, someone that has always been giving of others. Someone who came up in an industry where, you know, based on when she first got started, I mean, she was swimming upstream to try and be, you know, on the news and be an anchor. Uh, but then the way she kind of took control of her own destiny, uh, I think she has a huge heart and is a huge giver. And love it. And you know, I, I think those three and they would have a very unique dynamic amongst themselves but but all three are high achievers high performers who have worked relentlessly to be the best that they're capable of um, so Big I think time. yeah I think the five of us would have a good time oh yeah as far as what we would yeah eat, what are we eating um, if they all like sushi I would certainly ask oh, my oh, guests oh, oh. before I'd serve it because is I would that wanna, your thing I love sushi dude you, yeah. why are we here I have, well, the, I have the best sushi spot in LA let's go get it right after this I'm fine I, I could 100% yeah. do it man I know you busted my chops for going to PF Chang's but I, I had their <laughs> lobster roll and their uh, Spicy dragon roll. Uh, let's just say I go to Japan three times a year <laughs> and uh, P.F. Chang's. That's yeah, real sushi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think those three would be an interesting, interesting meal. I love it. I love it. Probably the best answer I've ever got on that. Okay. You've worked with, like I said, the best of the best. So you've got to drop some kind of crazy off the charts, cool story that sticks out in your brain. Okay. It could be something nuts about any of them. Well, I've, if anyone that follows my work and, and looks at some of my videos online, I mean, I, I tell a Kobe story, I tell a KD story, I tell a Steve Nash oh, story, I tell, I tell a bunch of them that are my signature stories. I, I'd like to tell you guys one that I haven't told a lot, and this was, I didn't experience it, but it was taught, told to me firsthand by Jay Billis of ESPN, who's a good friend and a, and a mentor of mine. Um, nice. Jay was incredibly gracious to write the foreword for my book, which I'm so thankful of, Sweet. and it's, I mean, because this guy has meant the world to me. Uh, he told me a story back, um, and I can't think of what year it was, but Brad Stevens was still at Butler, and I believe this was the year before they met in the finals. So both teams were pretty good teams, but Duke was still the national powerhouse, the, the kind of Goliath, and you know, Butler was still kind of the mid-major, and uh, they were going to meet at the Meadowlands in New Jersey uh, early in the season. And as part of ESPN game day, it's Jay's responsibility to go watch practice the day before each game. And because he's a Duke alum and he goes to Duke's practice first and, and, and Coach K said, look, we're going to beat Butler tomorrow because we're bigger than they are, we're stronger than they are, and we're more powerful. We're going to out-rebound them, we're going to contest every shot, and we're going to pound the ball down low and shove it down their throats. We're going to beat them because we're bigger. That is our advantage. And Jay left going, boy, this is going to be a bloodbath tomorrow. Duke is going to pound them into the sand. 
Then he goes over to Brad Stevens, who hard to argue is of equal acumen as a coach. I mean, he's a genius. Genius. Um, So he goes over to Butler's practice, and Brad Stevens says, we are going to beat Duke tomorrow because we're smaller than they are, we're more agile, and we're much quicker than they are. That those big guys can't chase up us up and down the court. That our quickness... We're going to beat them because our size and quickness is to our advantage. And Jay left going, I have no idea who's going to win. (laughs) Both guys understand what they have, but both of them view it as their advantage. And to me, that... That's how. That's the perspective that we need. That right now in my life, I have some endearing strengths and I have some glaring weaknesses. And it's what am I going to choose to focus on? Am I going to choose to focus on my strengths? Am I going to choose to focus on what I have or what I don't have? Am I going to focus on the things in my life that I like or that I don't like? Am I going to focus on the things I'm good at or not good at? And ultimately, if you want to be in that 1%, if you want to raise your game, if you want to win, you have to focus on what you have. You have to focus on what you do well. You have to focus on what you like. And use that yes. to your advantage. So good. Drop the mic on that one, man. Drop the mic. I, like you're exactly like me. You wake up every single day thinking, man, this can be the best day of my life. Yes. Like that's exactly like I knew you would ooze that too, you, man. You know, that's not even exactly, that. I love I that. I wake up every day thinking today is the day that I'm going to get the break that is going to change my life. Yeah. I don't have it with the mindset that that I'm waiting for a break or that anyone owes me something or someone's going to give me a handout. I wake up with the optimism every day that something is going to happen today that is going to change my life forever. And that type of optimism is powerful. And you know what? Well, several of these days I've been right because I've had lots of things really good happen in my life. But it's it's kind of that mindset that, you know, one of these days I'm going to be right. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Who knows? Yep. But it's always to be. It's always better to be prepared for an opportunity that may not arise than unprepared for one that does, and that is crucial. So it, it's like the player that's sitting on the end of the bench. You better be ready mentally, physically, and emotionally for when the coach calls your name because when you get in the game, there ain't no time to get ready. You have no. to be yep. ready. Yep. And if you're not, you're in a lot of trouble. Man, I like everything you say. It's like you can... Like, it just gives me a game, like a game plan. Like, you put analogies and words together awesome. so well, like in points and teaching points, that we're going to have another podcast a year from now, maybe Absolutely. even six months from now. Be happy you can come to. on every week if you want to, man. We'll do a live from our sushi spot in downtown L.A., which we really do have to hit. Okay, what is it, 59 days till the book comes out? Yeah, something wrong. like that. Yeah, i got a countdown. Like if, you, if you go to raiseyourgamebook.com, raise there's definitely book. a countdown. Com. I don't know okay. when this will actually air. Um, and, you know, one thing that I was thinking, I've had a few coaches reach out and say they're buying the book either for their team or for for their program and that in the off season they're going to do kind of a book club. Uh, The way the book was written, there are 15 chapters. There are three chapters focus on player, three chapters focus on, not three chapters, five chapters focus on player, five chapters focus on coach, and five chapters focus on team. So those are the three sections and each chapter is focused on a key word or characteristic that I believe is required to be either the best player, coach, or team. Uh, So coaches are using this is kind of a book club and the team will read one chapter per week and then they'll spend 30 40 minutes talking about it and using that you know and and what I'd, I'd be happy to do if there's anyone listening if you buy a set for your team or you buy a set for your program um, there's some extra bonuses and things I could throw in I mean certainly I could sign copies if that's something that would make someone feel good but I mean if someone buys this for their program and gets 50 or 60 copies because I'm talking program now I'm talking at the high school level JV and varsity boys and girls like yeah. look at it as a program yeah. don't siphon yourself off and just think selfishly well it's my varsity team I don't care about anybody else it should be a program and if anyone buys that you know I'd be happy to jump on a 15-20 minute video call to talk to them or talk to their team or or share some of the things that you and I were talking about because anyone that's willing to make that type of commitment to something that I poured my heart into you better believe I'll do everything I can to reciprocate that's so cool we have a lot of coaches that listen to this podcast so coaches out there look at this like if you want to build culture yeah, get the book. That's that's really, really cool, man. So keep going on how we can just follow everything you're doing, support the book, just give me the rundown. And... RaiseYourGameBook.com yep. has everything about the yep. book. And if you just go to AllensteinJr.com, that has everything else. Um, and I'm Allenstein Jr. on all the social platforms. Yep. So 
try to be easy to find and, and just love connecting. You know, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough, not only for our friendship, but for this opportunity. Um, if anyone listening, if you enjoyed this podcast, you know, tell your friends to listen, tell them to follow, uh, shoot David and I a, a message on social that say, hey, we enjoyed it. Um, because those things mean a lot to us. I mean, we pour into this because we enjoy doing it, but it, it's nice to know that it, it resonates with other people. And when someone sends us a message that says, hey, thanks, coach, uh, I don't know about you, but that, that gets me even more excited to wake up every day and tackle. We don't do it for the praise, but hearing feedback is something that motivates me highly because I know it's not in vain. We're doing this because people are listening and it's making a difference, and that's why you and I do what we do. Man. Alan, you are an absolute game changer. Passionate, joyful, confident, everything about you just oozes. Servant, genuine. Love it, man. I could be around you every day. I would love to be around you every day. Your book is going to be awesome. I know it is. I'm the first in I'd line. I'd love to be out here in Santa Monica every day. So you might, you know, <laughs> my kids grow up and I move, you might have a new neighbor. Yo, send them out for summer but vacation. Before we go, just want. because this is an audio podcast, can you please tell your listeners what shirt I'm wearing right now? <laughs> it's a Larry Bird just like super old school vintage Larry Bird with the stash too absolutely beautiful I love it man I appreciate your time big time and you know I'm here for you anything I can ever do for you we're about to head out the door and learn how to surf since we're constant learners we've never surfed before but it's just so beautiful out there we're going to get on that board and then come back to the Abu Marcus weekend Santa Monica let's go appreciate you my man awesome Big time thank you to Mr. Alan Stein for coming on the podcast and just gracing us with his presence, his positivity, his encouragement, just his love for life and his joy and passion for what he's doing. As you can tell, like we talked about, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a career. He is on a mission. And working with the top NBA talent, the top athletes in the world, seeing what goes into their daily lives behind the scenes, and then stepping away from that when he could have just been like, okay, I'm comfortable in my position. I'm not going to challenge anything going on. I don't want any change. And now he's going around the world, giving talks, writing a book, coming out with a book really soon. Just being able to not let anybody tell him no and follow his dreams, follow his mission and his passion. That's what being a one percenter is about. It's not about changing your whole life. Changing your whole life can become very overwhelming, but it's making mindset shifts that develop a lifestyle, a lifestyle of positive habits and just being positive. Being around Alan literally just juiced me up. I'm still juiced up a few days after this podcast, just ready to go. Being around those type of people are infectious, and you want to be one of those type of people. Not because for your own personal gain, but trust me, your joy will just increase. And listening to Alan, being able to take notes from this podcast and take away and put into your daily life. Game of lifers, I love all you out there. Thank you for your support. Thank you for constantly telling, spreading the good word about the Game of Life podcast. We've been growing. We really have. And it's all because of you. And if you can today, if you're listening to this podcast, if you can tell yourself, okay, I got to do one good deed for somebody today. Tell somebody something they may not have heard of before, but help to encourage them. Maybe someone at the grocery store just just goes through the Monday motion or a janitor. Just tell them they're doing a great job. Do something good for somebody today. Just one thing. And it could be go to iTunes and leave a five-star review for yours truly on the Game of Life podcast so we can keep having amazing guests on here. That'd be nice. Anyways, Game of Lifers, thank you for joining. We got a lot of good people, a lot of good interviews and just mindset shifters coming up for you. I hope you all have a great week. Don't eat too much turkey. We'll probably come to you before that so we can give you a little... A little fun to listen to so you don't have to deal with your in-laws over the uh, over the holidays. Unless you love your in-laws like I do, but uh, future in-laws like I do. That's what it's all about. All right, Game of Lifers, I'm talking too much. I'm rambling. Remember, life is a journey. Enjoy it. Go out there, do a good deed for somebody else. David Nurse, Game of Life, signing off.